Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, Rethink Life Church. How you guys doing today? Y'all doing good? Hey, do me a favor while you're clapping. Give those that are watching us today online a round of applause and welcome them into our worship experience as well. We're so honored that you are here today and uh, are a part of our experience this morning. And you ought to just give yourself a little pat on the back today. Everybody deserves a little pat on the back. Come on, somebody. We lost an hour of sleep. And it is the first weekend of spring break. And you guys chose to be in church today. So hallelujah. Y'all get a few extra inches of gold in heaven because of your faithfulness. Hey, I am so honored that you've chosen to worship with us. And uh, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Today is a brand new uh, series that we're beginning to kind of help pave the way for uh, all that we are expecting and preparing for. And really, as we prepare our hearts for Good Friday, for uh, our Easter celebration service, actually services, I might add, uh, for Easter Sunday that's coming up. It's hard to believe we're just four or five weeks away from an incredible, incredible opportunity. And uh, I just want to encourage you even now, and this is all the reason why we are putting a lot of emphasis between now and and Easter, um, really just as it relates to what God wants to do in our hearts and what God wants to do through us, how he wants to use Use us to reach out to friends and neighbors and co-workers and classmates and people that we know to really capitalize on one of the easiest, most strategic invite opportunities of the entire calendar year. And that is to invite people to be a part of Resurrection Sunday. And so today, as we kick off this series, and really the, the amazing worship we had this morning kind of really just teed it up. Aren't you thankful for our worship team? Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for our amazing worship team. They just teed it up so well because as you probably picked up or hopefully you connected the dots, so much of our theme was all about the name of Jesus. At the end of the day, it's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. And that's the reason why we're calling this series Like Jesus. In fact, let me just kick it off by asking you a question. If you could narrow your life down to two words as a follower of Jesus, if you could narrow your life down to just two words, what would those two words be? My prayer For yourself, or even for myself, that maybe we would select the words like Jesus. Because when you think about it, our greatest aim, our highest goal as followers of Jesus Christ on this side of heaven is to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can be. Amen? That's our goal. That's our aim. To be like Jesus. And when you think about it, it's very important that we understand and we realize that God wants us to be really imitators of his son, Jesus Christ, in all the places that we go. The sphere of influence that God has placed us in, he wants us to be like Jesus. And I love the passage of scripture. In fact, this is going to be our theme verse throughout this entire series. In fact, I'm going to unpack this verse In many ways, um, with some unique words that we're going to pull out that will help us, if you will, fill in the blank when it comes to being like Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 9, 
Beginning at verses 35 and following, Jesus was among a crowd of people. And just like you and I, we obviously are around people each and every day. You know, when you're out and about, especially maybe on the weekend, you're out at the mall, you know, you're, you're out in the community, you're out on the ball fields, or, you know, wherever it is that you might be, we're always surrounded by people. And Jesus is no different. And you can imagine great crowds of people gathered around him everywhere he went. But Jesus was among the people. And the scripture says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area. He was basically in this area known as Galilee or the Capernaum area, the region where Jesus' hometown was. It was a place where he had spent many, many weeks and even years of his life with his disciples. And it says he was teaching in their synagogues and he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and sickness and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, her, they were confused and, and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, he said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest... And ask him to send more workers into his fields. So here's the key thought that I want to camp out on today. And that is this. To be like Jesus is to see like Jesus. Repeat that. To be like Jesus, we're going to fill in the blank, is to see like Jesus. You guys with me? Let me put it into perspective. How many of you... Because when you think about it, perspective has a lot to do with how we see. How we perhaps see like Jesus in our everyday, ordinary comings and goings and connections with people. Because our perspective has a lot to do with how we not only see life, but ultimately how we see people. How many of you are just curious... I've ever met somebody, maybe somebody at work, you were introduced to somebody new, you didn't know them, but you were introduced, and maybe your first impression was, was somewhat negative. In other words, someone introduced you, or you had this encounter with this person, and from your perspective, you thought to yourself, man, they weren't very nice. They were a little snooty. You know, they, they, they seem to be a little standoffish. They, they seem to be a little, little cold. How many of you ever met somebody like that before? Kind of you had like that first impression? How many of you are sitting next to it? No, don't do that. But, uh, but you know, we, seriously, we, we've all kind of had that perspective, you know, of somebody, first impression. We're thinking, wow, you know, dude, relax. It's going to be okay. But then later you find out a little bit more about that person's backstory, And you realize maybe some trauma or some circumstances and some hardships that they've gone through. And then after hearing a little bit about the backstory of this person, what happens? Your heart softens, right? And because your heart softens, then you begin to think to yourself, well, that kind of makes more sense now. Right? What happened? It was a change in perspective. My wife Michelle and I have gotten 
uh, introduced to a family that are billionaires with a B. And I haven't really been around people like that before. And what's interesting is that I did a little study. You realize there are only a little over 2,000 billionaires in the entire world. There are only 600 and about approximately 15 billionaires in the United States. That means you could take all of the billionaires in the United States of America and you could put them inside of this auditorium and still not fill up this room. And yet those 600 plus billionaires make up 80% of the United States economy. Boom. little perspective, right? Kind of like changes the game when you think about you know, wealth, and it's like a whole nother level of wealth, right? It's perspective. You know, perhaps you get in the car, you're running late for work, and what happens? You, you get in, you get, I mean, just like one red light after another, you're stuck in traffic, you're just running late, you got some hot coffee, and what happens? You spill your coffee. I mean, you get to your office, and I mean, it's like your whole day is ruined, right? I mean, from your perspective, it's like how bad can it get? Until you flip on the news, and you look at the people that are taking, like literally taking cover. They're, 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 they're doing everything they can to flee for their safety, the refugees that are escaping a place like Ukraine because they're literally running for their lives. And you think, my bad day is not necessarily a bad day. Our son Luke, he was diagnosed with a rare hip disease when he was about seven years of age and he ended up spending three years of his life in a wheelchair. And I'll never forget when we went to the Shriners Hospital in Tampa, and um, when all of this kind of came down, we walked in with our son, and he was walking. When we left Shriners that day, we were pushing him in a wheelchair, and it totally changed our perspective. We never saw people in wheelchairs the same ever, ever again, because of the three years that we spent with our son, it gave us a heart of compassion. It helped us to see people. It helped us to see situations and circumstances, hardships, trials. We, we begin to see the unbelievable sacrifices and challenges that are, that are made among so many who are in those situations. We've never, ever looked at people the same again. Especially with our son Luke. So what does that say? What it says is that, you see, at the end of the day, to be like Jesus is to see like Jesus. Because when we see like Jesus, it literally changes the game. It literally changes our perspective when it comes to how we see life and how we see people. In fact, uh, I ran across a quote this week. I thought it was so good. A guy by the name of Conrad Adenauer once made this statement. He said, we all live under the same sky, 
but we don't all have the same horizon. It's kind of like the old saying, a lot of people can't see the forest for all the trees. And it's sad and unfortunate, but, but we allow ourselves to get so wrapped up in life and distractions and we get preoccupied with everything that we think is important and we get caught up and wrapped up in ourselves and our agenda and our needs and you know, our preferences or our opinions or whatever. And what happens, we lose sight of what really matters in life. We lose sight of why Jesus came into the world in the first place. And that is for people. And so with that, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And I think we would all agree to the fact that now more than ever in our culture, in our society, people are stumbling all over themselves right has become wrong wrong has become right and people are spiritually and morally confused more than ever before in my lifetime and it's crazy to me how many people are disillusioned dissatisfied empty and for many they are seeking and searching for something that is real and meaningful and purposeful in their lives and i believe with all of my heart listen God wants us to be like Jesus, his son. And it begins with seeing like Jesus. So there are really two things that I want to challenge us with, with today. Really two important thoughts. And the first is this. And that is we got to see with the eyes of our heart. we got to see with the eyes of our heart. Do you know, we all talk about prayer. And in fact, uh, we often teach about prayer. And we all know that prayer is important, right? But you know that there is only one prayer in the entire Bible that is actually recorded? And it's recorded in Ephesians chapter 1. It's the only prayer that is actually recorded in the Bible. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. But this is an actual prayer that the the Apostle Paul prayed. And here's what he said in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul is praying and he's asking that God would open up the eyes of our hearts, that our eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we would be able to see from an eternal perspective, that we'd be able to see through the eyes of Jesus, that we'd be able to see from God's perspective when it comes to what really matters and more importantly God's perspective when it comes to your assignment when it comes to your calling when it comes to the mission and the purpose that God has placed on your life do you realize that every one of us in this room has a mission if you're a follower of Jesus listen you have an assignment you have a purpose that's bigger and greater than yourself listen you have been called You have the call of God on your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be salt and he's called us to be light to a world that's living confused, that's stumbling all over themselves, that's walking in darkness. God has called us to be light. He's called us to be salt in our schools, in our community, in our neighborhoods, listen, in in our workplace, in our homes. Listen, God has called us. He has given us an assignment. 
And if that's our calling, and he's attached a hope to our calling, a future reward for all eternity because of how we've leveraged our calling and how we've made an impact through our purpose here on, 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 this, on this earth. Well, listen, if there's a hope attached to that, if we get to get to receive the eternal rewards for how we execute the assignment here on earth, then why in the world don't, why in the world don't we do a better job? Why in the world do we not do what we could do or should do when it comes to carrying out that assignment or fulfilling that purpose in our lives? Let me share with you a couple of things that I believe a lot of us don't do. We, we, we sometimes we, we have a tendency to not see people at work, at school, in our community. For whatever reason, we don't seem to see them through the eyes of Jesus. When I heard a stat not too long ago about how many people pass Lake Nona High School every single day, five over 5,000 cars pass by Lake Nona High School every day. Now there's two ways you can look at that. You can see that as a massive disruption to convenience. You can see that as a negative. You can see that from a perspective like, Man, there are so many people moving to Lake Nona. Cannot believe they only have one road. They should have paved that road 20 years ago to be 10 lanes if they knew there was going to be this many people in Lake Nona. And we could go on and on and on about how negative it is that we only have one road and there's so many people that travel on that road. Or we can drive up and down Narcusi and we can see the headlights and we can see the taillights. We can see the cars through the eyes of God from Jesus' perspective and we can see them as individuals that God loves and Jesus came into this world to die on a cross upon and to shed his blood for and to be raised back to life so that every single one of those people can find hope and can find forgiveness and can find salvation and can find new life and purpose and eternal life through Jesus Christ. So it all really just kind of depends on how we choose to see it. So we can see it as a, as a major disruption or we can see it as a major opportunity when it comes to winning people to Jesus. We have to just ask God to help us to see with spiritual eyes, to open up the, the eyes of our heart, that, that our hearts may be enlightened with that calling that God has placed upon us. You know, there's an amazing story in John chapter 4. I'm sure you've heard it. It's the story where Jesus connected with a woman at the well. What's interesting is that Jesus just felt this burden. He felt this sense of appointment, if you will, this assignment where he just needed to go through this place called Samaria. Well, his disciples had left for town. They, they were going to go to Chick-fil-A or something to pick up some lunch to bring back some food for Jesus and 
And so Jesus is there alone. He's thirsty. He comes to this well. And there's this Samaritan woman. And the, culturally, they, men and women and Jews, Samaritans, they just did not connect. They, there was just the political correct aspect of it. There was the cultural aspect of it. There were all of these reasons why they didn't connect. And yet Jesus met this woman where she was, connected with her. And what he did is he basically engaged in a conversation and he asked her for a drink, which completely like messed her up because she knew that he was already crossing the line with all of the religious and cultural differences. And through the conversation, you can read it on your own, but in John chapter 4, Jesus has this conversation that literally goes from being thirsty himself to using and leveraging that to the thirst that, that, that was really in the heart of this woman. And she was trying to satisfy her thirst through sexual relationships. She was trying to satisfy her emptiness and her confusion and her thirst spiritually for things of this world, the temporary. But Jesus said, what if, what if you could actually drink water that would satisfy your spiritual thirst forever? Forever. What if you could experience a living water that would forever change your life? And Jesus is basically saying, I am that one. I am the one who can satisfy your deepest thirst. And if you will just drink from me, if you will drink from the well that never ever runs dry, you will be fulfilled, you will be satisfied forever and forever. And what did we learn? We learned that through this whole encounter, not only did this, this, did this woman encounter Jesus and drink from the living water of Jesus himself, but she goes and she tells everybody in her village about this man whom she had met. And as a result, they came streaming out of the village to meet the man who not only changed her life, but as a result, many others began to drink from that well. And what's interesting is that after this woman left the well, <laughs> the disciples showed up with their little Scooby snack from wherever they could find some food. And they came to Jesus and they're like, hey, what in the world, this woman, why were you talking to her? And through the conversation, Jesus had the opportunity to teach the disciples a lesson. And he said in verse 35, he said, hey, don't you have a saying around here? It's still four months until harvest. And Jesus emphasized this. He said, I tell you, he said, open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for harvest. Let me tell you something. Never has there been an opportunity like we have right now to reach people who are far from God, who matter to God. Never has there been a greater opportunity for us to share living water with people. Never has there been an opportunity for us to be able to be like Jesus and to see like Jesus so that we can make an impact like Jesus. Never has there been an opportunity like we have right now, which is four or five weeks away from Easter Sunday, to be thinking about and praying about and doing all that we can to invite people in our sphere of influence to drink from this living water. And Jesus is saying, I'm full. <laughs> I'm full. There's really no need for me to eat because 
I've already experienced the greatest nourishment of all. And that is the fact that my soul has been made complete. My soul is filled because I was able to carry out the very purpose of my existence. And that is to seek and to save that which was lost. We all have the same purpose. We all have the same assignment. I was um, talking with a lady a few weeks ago and just kind of a random moment we had in the lobby. And I was standing there and shaking hands and, and um, she came up to me and she said, I just want to thank you. I said, for what? She said, every time I come to church here, she said, I always leave with a new perspective. And I thought it was so cool what she said because we literally were standing right by the blue banner, which I hope that you'll look at. You'll be more intentional about looking at it on your way out. And you'll look on the wall. We have this huge blue banner. It's kind of like has a circle on it. And she literally was saying to me as we're standing there in front of this blue banner, she said, I'll always leave with a new perspective. And right over her has the word new perspective. And I pointed to her. I said, look right there. I said, you just completed step one of what we're all about here at Rethink Life. And she turned and she looked. I said, I just want you to know. I said, you just blessed my heart because that's our prayer. I said, that's what we want more than anything. We want to see people who come and they see and they hear and experience everything that we're doing. We want them to be able to walk out these doors where they shift their perspective. They have a new perspective. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about the, about the temporal things of this world. It is all about the eternal. It's all about Jesus. We want their perspective to be changed forever. And not only that, listen, our mission is simple, and that is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We do that by introducing people to the hope of Jesus so that they can have a new perspective so they can have better choices in life and they can make a greater impact with their life. That's why we do what we do here at Rethink Life. Hence the name, Rethink Life. Come on, somebody. That's pretty cool, right? So, just to put it all into perspective, because in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says it this way, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's having an eternal perspective. And when we have an eternal perspective, guess what? We start seeing like Jesus. And when we see like Jesus, we're going to be like Jesus in our everyday lives. I was, uh, m- my wife Michelle and I, we were having um, uh, lunch with a friend here recently. And and uh, man, this this lady, she's she she inspires me every time I'm around her because she's just a bringer. Every time I, every time I come to church, she's always introducing me to somebody new that she's invited. She say, Pastor, I want you to meet this person. I just their first time today. So she's always you know shaking and baking. Man, she's always she's just inviting people. And we were having lunch with her that day, and and uh, so we were walking over to this place called Naked cupcakes. Come on, somebody. Anybody anybody ever been to Naked Cupcake? Man, it'll like rock your world. And uh, so anyway, we were were going over there, and there was a lady and her daughter 
that were kind of walking to the door at the same time. We didn't know them. They didn't know us. And our friend just being like she does, being like just doing what she does, she just, she just instantly engaged with these two ladies. One thing led to another. We started talking to them about our church. One thing led to another. We started inviting them to our church. One thing led to another. She, she was invited to go to this women's event that they had. They both showed up. And you know what? It's been awesome because we've been watching and we've been seeing. And they have been coming and they've been bringing others. And it's been all about somebody who's just seeing the opportunities to see like Jesus. It changes everything. It changes everything. So the first key is this. To be like Jesus is to see like Jesus. And to do that, we got to see with the eyes of our heart. Number two, we got to see through eyes of faith. Say that out loud with me. Through the eyes of faith. See through the eyes of faith. You know, sometimes we don't think about that. But we do. We have to see through the eyes of faith. There's an incredible story in, in, in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus had just got through literally raising a young girl back from the dead. And as he was walking away, he was returning back to the place where he was staying. And suddenly there were these two blind men who had heard that Jesus was coming by. And we pick up the story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind Two blind men were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming that way. And they began shouting. They said, Lord. Gotta love those lights. We gotta, we, gotta, we gotta love them even more now. They said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And then notice what the disciples said. They said, be quiet. The crowd, all the, all the people said, be quiet. The crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called. And notice what he did. He asked them a question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Now think about it. Here are two blind guys who are yelling for Jesus, and Jesus stops, and he engages these two blind men, and he basically asks a question, and it's the most obvious thing in the world. Two blind guys, Jesus, the master healer, the great physician, hear these two blind guys in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus asks the question, hey guys, what do you want me to do for you? I love that. Lord, they said, we want to see. We want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them, and he touched their eyes, and they noticed instantly they could see, and then they followed him. You know, what's interesting is that the disciples almost missed a miracle because what they saw in these two blind guys was a distraction and a disruption. 
And yet, had the disciples been the ones to make the call, they would have missed the miracle. And yet, Jesus turns and he asks these two blind guys the question. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? It's not as though Jesus didn't know. He already knew what these two men wanted. He wanted to make sure they knew what they wanted. And here's the thing. They said, we want to see. We want to see. And Jesus touched their eyes, and they were able to see. Let me ask you a question. If you had the same opportunity with Jesus, and he would ask you the question, what do you want me to do for you? How would you fill in that blank? What do you want me to do for you? For some of you, maybe it's, Lord, I I need you to restore a broken marriage or a broken relationship. Lord, I, I need you to bring healing physically to myself or to a loved one or someone that I know that's diagnosed with a deadly disease or sickness. Lord, I need you to provide an opportunity, a door of opportunity for a job. Lord, I have a broken heart because of a wayward son or wayward daughter who's not living for you. Lord, I want you to bring them back home. I want you to bring them back into a right relationship with you. What do you want me to do for you? It's a huge question. And Jesus is presenting that to all of us today. And here's the thing. Our ability to see is contingent upon our audacity to ask. Did you get that? Listen, our audacity to see is contingent upon, excuse me, our ability to see is contingent upon our audacity to ask. And today, the question is, what are we going to ask him for? What do you want me to do for you? What if we fill in that blank by saying, I want to see like you, Jesus. God, open up the, open up the eyes of my heart. God, help me to see with eyes of faith. God, help me to be able to see from your perspective what it is that I need to see and to know and to understand. You know, I've been thinking about that question a lot. I've been thinking about it when it comes to what's in front of us in the coming days. I want to close with this. And this is my audacious prayer. I'm praying for a thousand people on Easter Sunday that will come through the doors to attend our 9 o'clock service and our 1030 service on Easter Sunday. If Jesus were here today and said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? I would almost be embarrassed because I would feel like that would be too small of a vision. But I'm just going to start there with an audacious decision because we have a 900 
seats and some change in this place. And I'm praying that between those two services, we've done it in the past. And I'm believing God that it will happen again. That on Easter Sunday, we will see a thousand people that will walk through these doors. That we will introduce to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who will satisfy their thirst forever and forever. And I'm telling you, that can happen if we will just see as Jesus saw. That can happen if all of us, if each one would just bring one. If each one would just reach one. If each one would just pray for one that would just say, God, use me to see them as you see them. You know another thing is that I'm praying for? Jesus said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, we need about 40 new dream teamers. Men and women and teenagers, young adults, who would be willing to say, I want to make a difference. I want to make an eternal impact on people's lives. How can I help? What can I do? How can I make a difference? And if you're here today and you say, sign me up, count me in, I'll be one of those. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to fill that out on your welcome card and then take that welcome card out to the Connect booth. And the reason why I'm telling you to take it is because I know a lot of times we have good intentions and then it's out of sight, out of mind. I'm asking you today to put feet to your faith and put feet to your words and say, count on me. Here's my contact information. Put me where you need me because I'm here to make a difference. Together we can do great things together. That's how we want to roll here. Because it, listen, it takes everybody doing what they can to make that kind of difference. We're giving out over, I don't even know, Robert, how many Easter eggs we've given out? 3,500 Easter eggs we're giving out out on the football field on Easter Sunday. It's not really going to be an Easter egg hunt because there are going to be thousands of eggs on the football field. It's going to be more like scrambled eggs, if you know what I'm saying. So it's going to be a scramble where kids are going to be going all over the place. But we're praying God's going to use that as a tool to reach the thousand people that we're praying for. And people will come. And you know, it's just an opportunity, it's a tool to help introduce people to the hope of Jesus. I could go on and on, but here's the thing. The only way we can see through the eyes of faith is to ask God to open up the eyes of our heart so that we can see like Jesus. And when we see like Jesus, I'm telling you, it changes everything. We have a whole new perspective because we begin to see people through the eyes of Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.